Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about this theme of connection and specifically how to connect deeper with your siblings. I'm doing this episode for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because I get asked this a lot when people see me and my sister, how close we are, even though we have a 10-year age gap and we don't live together, I still would consider her my best friend. And I hope she would say that we're pretty close too. And a lot of people have asked me about that, like how I cultivated that connection and how or why she trusts me so much. And I think this episode is also timely because we're going into Christmas. A lot of you are probably going to be seeing your families. And maybe there's someone, whether it's a sibling or just someone in your family or a friend or even your partner, somebody you're dating, maybe there's somebody in your life that you want to connect deeper with. So this is going to apply not just to siblings, even though I'm going to be speaking off of personal experience, but it's also going to just speak into this entire theme of connection and how do we cultivate it and deepen it with the people around us that we love. So I have three big tips here for you, and these are the three things that I've determined to be the most crucial in my connection with my little sister. And the first one hopefully should be obvious, but it's definitely vulnerability. 
In case you have not heard or haven't experienced or haven't found the words to describe this, but vulnerability breeds connection. And you've probably heard of the researcher, Dr. Brene Brown, and she speaks a lot about vulnerability. She studies it along with shame and how we can show our vulnerability, let go of shame, and connect more deeply with other people. And it really just comes down to the fact that vulnerability and showing our true selves and allowing ourselves to be seen and stepping into something that may scare us a little bit because, hello, it's really scary to be seen for who we are, especially knowing that we're imperfect human beings. And in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, which was one of the first Brene Brown books that I read and probably one of the first like self-love or like this genre of books that I started reading. Highly, highly recommend The Gifts of Imperfection, but she talks so deeply into how embracing your imperfections, a huge component of that is allowing yourself to be seen for those imperfections. So it's not about like chanting affirmations to yourself and trying to make yourself believe that you're perfect and amazing, even though you are, but it's more so about allowing yourself to live in those imperfections, to embrace them and to share them and show them to other people, knowing that they can also relate. And that's going to make you that much closer. That's going to make you feel connected to yourself, to others, to source, just the universe in general. And that's going to be what helps you live more authentically and true to yourself. So In short, the reason why vulnerability breeds connection is because you can't expect someone to open up unless you open up to them. So my little sister, like I'm clearly the adult in this relationship and she's currently 13. So when I really want to connect with her, I start telling her something about my life, something that maybe she doesn't really expect me to share so honestly, whether that's how I'm feeling or what I'm struggling with. And I think it's important to also recognize like what would be age appropriate depending on how old your person is. Maybe you're speaking to a child. And in that case, you just have to use your common sense and know that, you know, there are certain things you don't have to tell them everything, but there are definitely big themes and big human patterns that a child will understand, especially a teenager. So when my sister and I have long car rides and we get to talking and actually here's what happens when we go on a car ride or when I pick her up from school or my mom's house, usually at first it's kind of awkward. Like she's definitely in that teen phase where we don't talk as much right off the bat. She doesn't like jump in the car and start sharing everything with me, which is totally normal. Most people don't do that. You kind of have to like warm up to things. So usually we'll be quiet for a little bit or she's on her phone or we just go through the typical like, how is school? Good. How's it going? What's new? And we just get very, you know, like surface level responses. And I can imagine that the same thing is true when you're speaking to any child, especially a teenager. And I think that as adults, we're kind of that way too. Like we have these surface level conversations and it takes a little bit for us to go deeper. Now, if you think about it, what is it that makes us go deeper? And it's always when somebody shares a piece of themselves with you. And because of that, you feel so connected to them. You feel honored that they trusted you with that piece of information. And suddenly you feel comfortable to open up to them too, right? That's kind of what secret sharing is or why sleepovers when we were kids, especially with other girls, like 
that's why that was so fun is because we would stay up late and we would talk and, and share things with each other, right? And it was just so bonding or, you know, pillow talk with your partner. Like there's a reason why something about the darkness or being really close to somebody's face without actually seeing him and really like listening to them. Like there's a reason why certain scenarios cultivate this kind of connection and know that you have the power to create those scenarios for yourself too. It just may take a little bit more effort, but when you're intentional about it, when you're intentional about what you want to bring to a certain relationship, and when you have the tools at your disposal, so some of the things we're going to be talking about there, or here, not there, here, stay here, don't go over there. (laughs) Some of the tools that we'll be talking about, you can bring them to life. So There are different ways to be vulnerable. I think a lot of people think that vulnerability is all about sharing your deepest, darkest secrets, and it's not. (laughs) I think vulnerability is just being really, really real. So for me, vulnerability is also being able to express gratitude and appreciation and tell someone that I love them. Like that is a vulnerable thing. When I come up to my sister and I hug her and I I say, you you mean so much to me. You're so important to me. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm so glad you're in my life. I love you. That is not something that we do very often. We don't pause to do that, right? Especially with I think our siblings, because there's just a natural sibling dynamic that could be a little bit of rivalry, or maybe there's a little sibling like fights going on, just depending on your situation. With siblings, especially, we don't take the time to express our appreciation for them in our lives. And you can be real about it. You can say, hey, I know we don't always agree or don't always get along, but just want you to know, like, I'm really glad that you're my sibling. I wouldn't trade you for the world. Even something as small as that means so much. And again, it's vulnerable because we're not trained to express emotion in that way. We're taught to like shut it down, to pretend like you don't care, to stay busy with your own life. And I think our society in in general doesn't really value community and connection as much as generations in the past have. I think in the past it was a little bit more normal to be close to people because that's the only way you could survive. And now I feel like we just value our space and distance so, so much that it's almost disconnecting, right? So that's one way to show vulnerability. Another example is to be the first to apologize. (laughs) I know that, again, that's not something, at least for me, that doesn't come naturally to me. But yesterday I said something to my sister and it came off totally wrong, like not how I intended it. It was about she put whipped cream on her pie. And I said something like, wow, that's a lot of whipped cream. And I didn't mean to be like, you're eating too much. My follow-up was going to be like, could you give me the tub of whipped cream that we had so I could put more whipped cream on my pie? (laughs) Because that looked so good. But the way I said it just came off totally wrong. And we were at the dinner table and it was just super weird. And I felt so bad, like just gutted. And even though it's not the biggest deal in the world, like, Hopefully, this isn't something she's going to be thinking about for years to come. I get that. However, in that moment, to me, it's not what I wanted. Now, a lot of people could just brush it off and not bring it up and feel so awkward that they're so scared to say anything about it or just get nervous to even bring up the topic again. And, you know, me a year ago even would have just went home, felt guilty, 
thought about it at night and then kind of moved on with my life and let time do its thing until we both hopefully have forgotten about the weird situation, right? And yesterday I really pushed myself to, after dinner, I went up to my sister's room and I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like that really, gosh, it's making me emotional now because I just felt so bad for the way it came across. And I told her exactly that. I'm like, that's not what I meant. And I'm really deeply sorry for the way I phrased it. I don't know what I was thinking or why I even brought it up in that way, but I just wanted you to know that I'm like really, really sorry. And I hope that that made us connect because after that, like I sat on her bed, we talked a little bit about other things, you know, family, so many things that we just started talking about simply because I, in that moment, had a little bit of courage to go up to her room and just express exactly what I was feeling. So my point is, don't be afraid to show emotion. Again, I know it can be so awkward, especially with siblings or with people that you're not that close to, but try to find words to communicate your feelings honestly. And that's really, really going to pay off. You will see it. You'll see that person's face just like warm up. You'll you'll see them just open up to you a little bit more. They're going to trust you. Again, it may not happen right away too. You have to give people time. But if you just consistently show up vulnerably to the people in your life, especially the ones that you love and you want to cultivate a connection with, it's just going to be so, so worthwhile. So that's Tip number one is remember that vulnerability breeds connection and try to show up vulnerably in your relationships. Secondly, and this is something that I've been thinking about, and I don't know if anybody else has this experience, but from my experience, what's helped my sister and I get really close is not the fact that we see each other often, although we do see each other quite a bit, but more recently it's been a little less. We probably see each other like once a week, maybe twice. And we used to see each other a lot more. And I used to even live with my parents. So we saw each other every single day, but we were not nearly as close when we lived together than when we are now or how we are now, at least not in my opinion or from my perspective. I feel like what made us close is not the frequency with which we hang out, but more so the length of time that we spend together when we do hang out. So for example, when I lived at home, we would see each other every evening, we would have dinner and then kind of go up to our rooms and we would maybe hang out a little bit after dinner, but then we would go to bed, I would go to college, she would go to school, like we just kind of did our thing and we'd see each other every single day. But when you're kind of like stuck in that routine, you don't really have as much opportunity to have a conversation or to spend quality bonding time with each other because you're just so stuck in that routine doing your own thing, even if you're, you know, cohabitating or seeing each other frequently. So what I've noticed is that spending extended time with the person that you want to connect with is actually, well, in my opinion, it feels like connection-wise it creates a little bit of a deeper connection. So instead of hanging out for just a couple of hours or inviting someone to dinner or a coffee date or a movie, those kinds of things are great and they have their time and place, but see if there's an opportunity where you can spend maybe a whole day together or even have a sleepover. (laughs) I wish we had more adult sleepovers. I wish those were more normalized. 
hence why I host retreats, because there's just something so powerful about spending that extended amount of time together. And I've thought about the idea of like doing events or workshops, and I do those occasionally, and I probably will in the future, but there's nothing like retreats for the sole purpose that you're all together for that extended amount of time, which means you get to know each other on such a deep level. So if you can like plan a camping trip or go on a long walk even, or my sister always jokes, she's like, hey, when can we get stuck in traffic together? Because that's when we spend our most quality time is when we're stuck in traffic because we'll be in the car together for one hour. Obviously, I don't have my phone out and we'll just kind of have to talk to each other, right? Or do some carpool karaoke or a little bit of both. But either way, it's a lot more bonding than the times when I just go over for dinner at my parents' house. Because usually it's like we eat together and then she goes upstairs to do her homework and then I leave, right? So spending extended amounts of time with somebody naturally breaks down barriers to connection. And this is why I'm such a whole proponent I think, I don't remember who I saw call this or who I heard call this, but somebody I was talking to said that they had a day date with their partner. So not like a dinner date, but like a day date where the whole day they spend dating. And that just made so much sense to me because one date, one dinner a week is not enough. And it's not even about the things you do. It's about like the quality time you spend with each other. So I think a lot of us know that, but we don't really know how to put it in practice. And I think finding opportunities where you can spend extended time together is one simple way to put that into practice. Okay, my last tip for cultivating connection with your sibling. This one is a direct thing that I learned from my therapist, and that is know your role in that person's life. And the reason why this came up with my therapist is because we were talking about just the boundary concern about me and my sister having like this big age gap. So at times I kind of feel like her mom and I think she kind of feels that way too, where she'll sometimes come to me with things that she should be coming to her mom with, or there are certain things that I want to tell her, but I feel like I can't because I almost feel like I'm this parental figure in her life or like a secondary parental figure. So we were talking a little bit about that. And my therapist was like, Mary, big sister is big sister. Big sister can disagree with mom, for example. Big sister can say to little sister, hey, I don't like what mom did. And she's like, you would know this a little bit better or it would come a little more naturally to you if you and your sister had a smaller age gap and you actually spent a longer bit of time living together because then you just would have a different sibling relationship. But because of our big age gap, I constantly have to remind myself that I'm not her mom. I'm her big sister. I can say certain things that maybe would not be appropriate for a mom to say. I can take her out and do fun things. I can spoil her a little bit. We can go out for dinner and, I don't know, go shop and spend some money that maybe my mom would not be the first to do with her. You know, like I don't have to be in that disciplinary position. I don't have to be like babysitting her. Like know your role, whatever that is to this person. And keep in mind that one person can't be everything for you. So you can't be everything for one person. It is so much 
better and more relieving and such a better like boundary that naturally gets created when you know your role in the person's life. So whether you're someone's partner, like you're their partner, like you may be best friends and that's really cool. But for example, you're not their mom. You don't have to baby them. You don't have to do their chores for them. Like you're not mom, right? And in the same way, when it comes to like our younger siblings or older siblings or our friends, like you need to get really solid in what role do you play in this person's life and can you fulfill their need in this moment? Another example is my best friend had a baby a little over a year ago and we're still close. Like she's still my best friend. I come to her with everything, but we definitely aren't on the phone all the time or hanging out all the time like we used to be because she's a mom. And there's a lot of mom things that she probably wants to tell me or wishes I could understand but I can't. So she had to go out and find mom friends. And at first I felt sad because obviously I wanted to hang out with her more and times, you know, that she would go out for dinner with her mom's friends instead of me. And I just had to learn to accept that I just cannot fulfill the role of being a mom friend. And she needs mom friends. Everybody needs support during motherhood. Like that's such a big critical time and community is so, so important. So I had to know that right now I'm her childless friend. And because I'm her childless friend, she's going to come to me with other stuff that she wouldn't come to her mom friends about. So knowing your role in somebody's life is really important. I think it just creates boundaries. And it also, because you have the boundaries, know that boundaries create freedom. A lot of people think that boundaries are limiting, but limitations actually create freedom because you start to get creative as to what you can do with those limitations. When you put the pressure on yourself to be everything for one person, that's when you get overwhelmed, you get resentful, things aren't working out, you're just trying to be too much. They're expecting you to be too much because you've trained them to expect all of this stuff from you. But when you can be really solid into like, or as to like, this is who I am and this is what I do. And this is the kind of relationship that I see with you. And you just start creating that for the both of you. Then you actually have a lot more freedom to show up more fully in that role. So remember just in general that boundaries are actually creating freedom. They're not limiting. There are limitations, but those limitations are what create more expansion. So I <laughs> feel like I've been talking for so long and kind of fast. I don't know why I've been talking fast lately, but I hope that this episode has helped you. I hope that you can implement these tools into your life when it comes to connecting with other people, especially if you have siblings that you want to get a little bit closer to. And I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Mwah. One last thing before we farewell, if you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all.
Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscoopofteacom slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.